that's always a, a fun aspect as well. Like sometimes you press play on an episode and people are already talking, but the show hasn't started. That's now the world we're in. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's like mid mid conversations, like that we catch people. Uh, that's the start of the podcast. And I'm like, oh, what? And they're like saying joke or something, you know, like that, that we code them in the middle. And then they're like, okay, hello. This is Lidona Berisha from Masterpiece Kosovo, and you are listening to the Masterpiece Podcast. everyone welcome to another episode of the masterpiece podcast it's all about these creative inspiring friendly voices from the masterpiece community all over the world i am your host mark fonseca renderu and i always like to do the podcast with a friend with a voice from the community and so today on this the fourth episode of the podcast i have my friend my colleague long time masterpiece uh creative director and and many other hats that we'll talk about uh she sits right now in utrecht in the netherlands but of course her story uh spans the globe perhaps and i'm talking about rachda alhalawani hello rachda Hey Mark, uh, long time listener, first time speaker <laughs> on the pod. <laughs> I think there will come a time where people don't understand the term long time listener, first time caller. Um, that was how I grew up with radio. But I'm glad that you know these things because <laughs> you remember the, the time when people would call into radio. Anyway, welcome to the program, Rachda. I'm glad you could join me and, and as they say, us, because somewhere there's someone listening. Uh, it's also the 10-year anniversary of Masterpiece, so I want to acknowledge that. Uh, happy birthday, Masterpiece. <laughs> um, do, do you feel very much in a, in a sort of celebratory mood as, as the month goes on? Yeah, I mean, like, wow, 10 years. And um, it means that it's also 10 years uh, of me working for Masterpiece. <laughs> you know, I always say that I probably missed few emails between the founders at the beginning, but literally they're from the start. Yeah. So it's, it was also a few weeks for reflection, uh, you know, for myself even, uh, looking back and looking forward um, on, on my journey with Masterpiece. So feeling the celebration also with all the new faces that I have been seeing and thinking, you know, they're talking passionately about Masterpiece and I'm like, wow, you know, um, there is all this uh, people that is even newcomers and saying, you know, like during my time in Masterpiece, I start doing that, you know, and I feel like, wow, there is even more people joining uh, that running train. So definitely celebrating, looking back and looking forward. Yeah. Do you, do you ever have that feeling kind of like, uh, I mean, we get to meet interns, we get, as you said, new members of the community, and sometimes you might do a reference, historical, pop culture, and you name, you know, uh, I don't know, Britney Spears or something, and you get like a blank. Of course, Britney has come back, but never mind that. Uh, you ever get that sort of... <laughs> You, you know yeah. enough, you've been around I, I enough. I think sometimes from inside our movement as well, you know, like referring to an event or a campaign that was 
a cornerstone like for example Nelson, which was um for for some years the highlight and i get confused faces of like <laughs> oh i don't know what what do you mean you know and i was like oh wow so yeah <laughs> so like the right. dinosaur in the room but <laughs> yeah it's it time passes quickly and and like you said people join at different times um, I, I wanted to go like we have lots of choices, right? With with a podcast, with looking at ten years uh, of the organization, but there's you specifically, and I wanted uh, to go personal because that's what the beauty of a a microphone and an internet connection allows for. Um, you know, way back, uh, you I know you as a journalist. Um, that is, I think, was sort of shaped uh, the direction that you went uh, even before you met Masterpiece. Can we go back in time, uh, Rahda, the, I say the teenager, but I also mean kind of the student, the not yet in the professional world, but with an eye on it. What were you about uh, in, in those formative years, late teens, let's say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I had a little bit of a funny story. Um, I grew up... Um, Loving so much to be a doctor, I think it's like common uh, dream with a lot of kids and teenagers, and especially in the Middle East, you know, there's this emphasis of like being a doctor or engineer. Um, so I really kind of prepared myself to study that. Um, also majored in biology in high school, you know, like made sure that I end up there. But what happened is um, in Egypt, there is this education system that you need to have a certain score. It's very competitive to get into med schools that you need to get like, I don't know, 99.8% uh, to be able to enter a public university, of course, I'm talking about. Um, so I ended up having like 97.5 or something. And I, I was super devastated because that means I cannot go to any of uh, medicine schools. So yeah. um, I, I I ended up really spending that summer, you know, like in tears because I couldn't pursue my longtime dream. Um, and I remember having conversations with my parents, you know, like about then what's next? What what could I be passionate about? And I thought like, you know what, maybe maybe studying media and communications would be uh, something uh, for, for me. But I just, you know, like just um, as kind of a second option. Yeah. Um, and, and, and my dad asked me, like, uh, what would be your favorite thing of going to med school? I said, you know, I want to have this white coat and 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 go there and, you know, like, saved lives and he said yeah you know butchers also wear white coats so <laughs> if, that, if that is the trigger then there is many other like uh profession options so i i entered um kind of communications with 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 kind of like you know a hesitant um student yeah. but immediately after one week i was like this is the place for me you know like everything really run as a flow for me oh. um i immediately understood you know like all these concepts about the power of communication about journalism radio and television I really uh, were the first to be there and the last to leave school because mm -hmm. it was truly my passion I yeah. entered from the back door what feels yeah. uh, to me but it definitely um, you know this this was really who everything that I am <laughs> yeah that's interesting how you can I mean very quickly feel at home you know like right place yeah. Maybe right time, uh, interestingly. Yeah. Um, and, and in terms of like, you know, it's, it's an interesting time. The, the, what do we call them now? Mid 2000s or the mid, the 2010s, the, the, even the before 2010, right? Cause I think that was when you were a student. Um, what, what were you 
looking at or how did you see the world back then? Um, and, I, and I say this both as a, a student or someone who felt at home, knew, came to know that journalism was, or working in the media to some extent was your place. Um, what did you have your eye on uh, world-wise? Yeah, I mean, um, I started working actually in a newspaper um, already at the third year of my university. And before that, I tried to make it into uh, TV, but I didn't have the connections to end up there. So basically, uh, it was in vain. Um, but um, yeah, I immediately jumped into practice because I also, you know, like all the theories are great. But when you're a journalist, you really want to also go and, you know, pursue these stories yourself, ask the questions, meet the people. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, be in, in, you know, I entered in, in a really uh, respectful, respected uh, media organization, which is the Daily News Egypt affiliate of the International Herald Tribune uh, of the New York Times. And so it was really like a serious school of journalism. They had two rules. Um, if you didn't get published in two weeks, don't come again as an intern. <laughs> it's a little bit tough, but it keeps you on your toes of like figuring out the story. So everywhere became like one big uh, place for or pool for stories for me. You know, like I looked at trash and I was but what is the trash collect collecting system, you know, like uh, why Cairo is like a landfill, uh, you know, like um, I want to talk to people responsible about that. We have a recycling system, um, you know, in our, one of our mountains is, is quite famous. So I was like, I need to go and visit that. So I became uh, known as the, the trash journalist at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of stories on that, but it's really interlinked to sociopolitical, uh, even religious. Um, you know, issues because uh, a lot of the garbage collectors at that part of the town were like from Christian background. So what does it mean? You know, like um, so and, and even metro drivers. So whenever I ride the metro, it's like, what are the category of people that rides the metro? How's the life of a metro driver? Um, everything become, became a story, you know, uh, to me. So I think being a journalist is kind of like in your DNA, you're constantly curious, asking stories and everything is a story yeah yeah and and that you can break everything down or not break it but um really look at the the the, the details and ask how does that work and it's funny because you were doing that as a journalist i think we're arriving in a time in the world where people in general maybe a consumer or a citizen is asking more questions about yeah how does my garbage collection work or where does it go um of course it depends on where in the world but i think increasingly uh, around the world, this is a difference from from maybe 20 years ago, even certainly 50 years ago. Suddenly, we all become some form of little journalist slash having the values, you know, yeah, we don't take things for granted necessarily because, yeah, you realize that there's limited resources, there's limited capacity. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting how the, the world might have caught up to you <laughs> or us. <laughs> Um, yeah, true. I think the access to information, so everything is Googleable, uh, you know, yeah. um, in, 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 in your hands. And we became, as you said, small investigative journalists as well, asking all these questions and becoming hopefully more aware, uh, because I think that it deserves that more and more people around the world ask more questions. Uh, maybe we don't have the answers to them, but at least that we ask ourselves and, you know, decision makers or people around us uh, the right questions and pursue the answers uh, at some shape or form.
this is nadeem of masterpiece lahore and you are listening to the masterpiece podcast at at some point uh as a starting journalist or what i think was a starting journalist you you end up in in dubai actually working for uh was it gulf news yeah, yeah. um funny enough i'm uh, one of the uh, you know like it's it's not a lot of people who knew dubai before it was the dubai that we know right now so i uh, moved to dubai very early on in my life i was 6 months uh old and uh, we moved as a family so uh, my dad worked there and we were an expat family yeah. uh, until high school so i have the ties of you know seeing dubai as this desert uh, that has a big promise or big dream uh, to go towards um and 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 going back with my career as a journalist also work um or report so i was freelancer so my my main focus was still uh, the middle east because i graduated in 2010 yeah <laughs> and yeah. for the world recalls that as the you know the the year of the arab spring or the arab revolutions or even the starts of it um uh, so definitely great time to be a journalist especially at the beginning of your career yeah. uh and crazy time as well so uh, i was freelancing for them but also for other entities because you know the whole world media where um have their eyes set on cairo uh, yeah. tunisia and beirut which is the locations that i also was covering um as a hot spot uh for information so we were lucky in that sense yeah we used to think this thing um in the early 2000s with like first podcasts and first video shared online more or less around the time youtube became a thing we thought um okay we have this now if for example there was the conflict in iraq if an american can put up a video on youtube saying this is my life this is who i am and an Iraqi can put up a video saying this is my life this is who I am there could be no conflict between these two countries because they would know each other and we believed that i mean that's that fueled all of our work which was mostly just a passion project i mean all these years later certainly tons of new tools and platforms and many things have happened um what do you make of this kind of you know because maybe you had similar thoughts back then um what do we know now <laughs> in regards to that dream that all it takes is these wonderful tools online an internet connection and a message uh an honest message and then the rest will resolve itself i mean the world feels like a really different place from back then yeah i mean like of course if i apply it directly uh to our journey in masterpiece uh there would have not been masterpiece without you know like the early social media attempts and having you know this calls on on this platform of facebook changed its name now right. uh, to meta but uh you know like and and really it's social movements feels like social media between brackets movement um, um that the idea of that you could reach out to someone from the other part of the world or even close to you and just put up a message in a nice picture and people could you know say yeah this is relevant to me in my own local context and i connect to it and you know you have this um um when i tell 
tell my parents, I have friends on uh, on the internet, they think it's, you know, like imaginary friends, uh, like, uh, like kids were, but it's really, no, I know them for, you know, 11 years or 20 years. Um, and even the younger generations are saying, no, this is my friend from the internet is as real or as valid as their friend in real world, you know. Um, I still struggle with my mom with that, <laughs> friends from the internet. She's like, don't trust friends from the internet. No, no, they are friends um so definitely um this you know like having that reach out and having that platform uh, made it possible to even create such a movement that is serious about topics uh, related to social change or you know creating um capacities or um or building perspectives having you know entrepreneurship social entrepreneurship all of that things that translated into concepts even funding actual projects together that it would not have been possible without the social media. But I think on even a larger perspective, it's a big tool that connected so many of us, especially, you know, with, I cannot uh, imagine how could we pass something like COVID mm -hmm. uh, worldwide sure. without the internet, without that connection um, um, that's to each other, but also this collective feeling, you know, this, this videos of people going viral from one country to the other action, especially at the beginning, I think all of us had this brief moment of complete unity and unification over this threat in front of us or um, invisible enemy. Um, so definitely these tools has yeah changed our lives and 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 in so many ways to the to the better mm -hmm. um, realizing uh, and not being naive to of course the other side of it and the negative effects that we could name of course and a lot of people argue against but when we started you know like having opening ups and people are meeting each other then you realize how powerful and important also the physical dimension of meeting people and working together um in the in the physical realm of uh, of, of the world so definitely tools will remain tools yeah, um, yeah. but the question of the how and the why and the what uh, you know remains and however we solve that um that is up to us but it's not definitely enough but definitely helps a lot yeah a little bit of meta talk i i, I was thinking about this second episode of this podcast which only has four episodes so <laughs> um but you know uh it was nago from masterpiece cameroon and i, I know some details of Nago's story. Obviously, now I know more. Um, but I was somewhat surprised at the emphasis and the value of what I, what I'll summarize as being there. Um, I, I always underestimate this in my own life, really. But uh, I don't know. I was surprised just that someone being there, even in the virtual space, as you said, online friends and, and through tools, right? Not being there at your door physically, but certainly at your screen <laughs> uh, virtually can uh make quite a significant difference and 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 i'm bringing that up because i admit to you i was surprised <laughs> i don't know if that's hit you often or you just you, you know this you're 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 more in tune than i am no um uh, it, it always surprises me also every time that you know like even for for myself when i'm um you know feeling oh i don't want to go on another zoom call you know like feels so much already but when you have this uh, conversations and you be there for the other person and they are for you every time when I log off I'm like wow that was really needed I thought that no I just want to be on my own and I don't want to like have that conversation and after that hour 
usually, you know, sometimes they're also fatigued uh, from being on Zoom. But the idea of like that really feeling that connection, whether it's online or offline, it always makes me feel like, yes, I feel better after after that. Uh, but I will quote uh, a novel, uh, Harari is one of my favorite authors. And he said, you know, like the 21st century skills is going to be more about how to manage your well-being, how you manage your mental health and ability to cope and, um, you know, build your emotional resilience and not about the skills of, you know, uh, building websites or coding mm-hmm. or IT skills or, you know, like what feels like an immediate course uh, on Coursera, but more like how do you manage your feelings, how you connect to others and make sense for yourself. And it was a bit surprising because it felt, you know, like, um you know, it should be more about engineering or, you know, like something that is super innovative, but it's actually how to go back to yourself and, and manage your your feelings. And that really has to do also with how you relate to others and how you, you know, connect with them and, and being there yeah. for, for them and for, for yourself in that sense. With all these changes, you, you, you've seen a lot, you're still seeing a lot, you're still doing a lot. Um, as you look ahead, uh there was that category, right? Like, um, known unknowns, unknown knowns. I mean, there are things we know we do not know, but, uh, you see signs of it. And when you look ahead with masterpiece, what are you kind of curious about? Don't know the answer to, uh, but are excited to see when it comes to this organization and this community. Yeah, um, of course, you know, like we always and I'm looking to some of the sketches that we have for like future plans, you know, like strategy for the next year or the next two years or five years. Uh, but we're always surprised with the number of opportunities um, that, you know, like we get or the challenges and the, also the dynamic nature of the world. And we we work vastly in almost 45 countries. So that comes with so much changes um, that's, you know, um, that, that has an impact on, on us. So it's very hard, I think, to sketch a strategy, uh, more like guiding principles, uh, directions that we would like to go to while being very open to the challenges and opportunities that could occur. But definitely I'm curious and I don't have uh, all the answers uh, for it. And, and thankfully so, because otherwise, you know, we're only looking at um, ourselves and, and, and keeping it on, you know, like uh, chart boards. Um, really, how would we uh, be meaningfully um, contributing to, for example, the SGs? And if we could measure that as an impact on on the goals of the SDGs, but also the sub-targets that are set out there and how can we um, um, assess that impact and evaluate our contribution. It's such a big question because even governments and, you know, bigger organizations are are in that process of understanding, but I hope that we could find a mechanism that we are, you know, part of that goals, um, especially the ones that is within the focus of Masterpiece. Of course, the expansion and what does it mean? Um, is it only growing in numbers, uh, in number in a region or more countries, or also growing the nature of our projects, our partnerships? You know, like what is the growth will look like uh, for us as an organization? Um, excited about new team members, uh, all team members transforming, um, you know, like where the world takes them and, and our teams and our clubs um, and being even more proud on, you know, like their achievements, but also their resilience, you know, like um, that that is also an important factor to it. Um, yeah. So looking forward to the next 10 years, that is for sure. Yeah. 
It almost reminded me there for the old uh, saying of life is what happens when you're busy making plans. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying that's what masterpiece is, but I'm sure there's a there's some element of that. Like we make a plan, but you stay open. <laughs> like yeah, uh, no, definitely. I mean, um, I'm um, and this has really proved itself also when we uh, look back at the growth of the movements. You know, started with a promise of having a peace concert at the foot of the pyramid 2014 um, uh, and looking at that goal collectively and no really um, kind of planning what will come after that. Uh, but in the way to create that, first of all, all the locations that we chose had revolutions, so we couldn't do foot of the pyramids or even Istanbul. They also had the, the Gezi Park protest, so we moved it eventually to the Netherlands. But also, uh, we didn't really foresee the clubs. It was just an idea or an experiment um, that the, the, the Cairo office also came up with. And, you know, that becomes became the heart of the movement. And, and it kind of was not really anticipated, you mm. know, at mm. all mm -hmm. at the beginning. So that was really um, kind of like a game changer, yeah. <laughs> if I may say. Yeah. Uh, I want to say, uh, Rakhda, there's so much more to talk about. And I think the best way forward is we take topics as they come in the coming months and you come back on the podcast and we break them down together. Uh, so in the meantime, I want to say thanks for coming on this episode and diving just a toe into your journey, because I think it's such a, um, an important journey, interesting journey, and it's very much connected to Masterpiece. So thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me and I hope to come back and continue even more conversations. Sounds good. Rahta El Halawani is the creative director of Masterpiece for going on 11 years. She's also the founder of Forward 43. Flexibility, openness, these are simple ideas that not every organization or individual can claim to have all the time. But these are also characteristics that I take with me from this conversation with Rahda. Part of what shaped the journey of Masterpiece over these 10 years, even if they didn't know what exactly the community would be or what it would look like back then, they still managed to blaze a trail to capture an openness, a creativity, so that passionate people, dedicated organizations, clubs could emerge and flourish as they have. And I consider that to be pretty special. That does it for this fourth edition of the Masterpiece Podcast. And I should also mention, we're in the last days of the 10-year anniversary month celebration events and I want to say a big thank you on behalf of the entire core team to all those that participated that made things happen in some way and of course all of you who listened to these episodes over the past weeks this journey the conversations it's going to continue so please do subscribe to the podcast as I always say because that way you automatically get the next show and shows because there are many more still to come. This podcast is rambling on, and we'd like very much if you join us. To continue this conversation, perhaps on the social medias, you can find us on Instagram, uh, that's masterpiece underscore global, LinkedIn, Facebook, just look for masterpiece, and you can also check out the stories from the past, present, 
and future that are still getting published all the way up until the end of this month. And of course, even after that, you can always read about what the community is doing on masterpiece.org. The Masterpiece Podcast is produced in association with the core team and community of members and friends throughout the world. Our theme music was by Ketza, incidental music by Blue Sky Moon, and they're all published under Creative Commons licenses. This program is published under a CCBYSA 4.0 license and edited by me. Subscribe to the Masterpiece Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Google, all the podcast players at this point. Look for us, press the button, and then you'll get the show automatically. Until next time, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. Thanks for listening.